I'm excited tonight to continue the series on the mystery of Christianity. And I have way too many people that I know who look at Christianity and they don't understand it. And I just hate the fact that we've got friends and family who talk about Christianity and believe that our nation is a Christian nation, but they don't understand Christianity. And I think that that's a tragedy. And so I've been trying my best with the help of the Holy Ghost to unveil, to reveal what Christianity really is. And by doing so, I'm digging out some things that are bad about Christianity that give us a bad rap. And I'm telling you that it's our purpose and mission at Austin First Church to take these challenges head on and grow with the challenges. We're not going to be stuck in tradition for tradition's sake. We're going to grow in revelation. We're going to grow in the Word of God. As we grow in the Word of God, so shall our truth and our teaching and our doctrines. And so we want to give that to you and hopefully help you not be confused. And tonight, I'm going to continue part three, the mystery of Christianity. And my topic tonight is simply this. The disciples were called Christians. The disciples were called Christians. I'm taking you to Acts chapter 11, 21 through 26. And that's where you're going to find the context for this topic tonight. This is a New Testament church that's happening now. This is Acts chapter 11. The Holy Ghost has been poured out. People have received the Holy Ghost. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, has received the Holy Ghost and spoken in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They've been baptized in Jesus' name, and this is the first church, the first church. Somebody wants to know uh, why we're called Austin First Church. There's probably lots of reasons, but one of the main reasons is because we want to be like the first church. I don't want to be a second church or a third church. I don't want to be my church. I want it to be his original plan. And so I know you and I, if we can get back to the original plan, I think we're going to solve some problems. But we've added on so many things that are not biblical, and we've got to get back to the first church. This was when it was pure. This is whenever the Holy Ghost was doing great things. So God help us be the first church again. That's what we're going to be reading tonight about what the first church did and how they acted. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with that purpose of heart that they would cleave or join unto the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, to go look for Saul. And this is the most important one for tonight, Acts eleven twenty six. One of the most interesting scriptures that maybe you've never heard before, but I love it. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. This big, massive word called Christian was first called, the disciples were first called this in Antioch. They were not calling themselves Christian. They were called Christian by others. This is important tonight because we throw the word Christian around very cheaply. And I think it's really not the right way to do it. I think we have self-proclaimed ourselves as Christian. And the world has called us not Christian and we are calling ourselves Christian. And what we have is we have a battle. We have reverse roles. We live in an hour where we have to tell people that we're Christian and people tell us that we're not. But in the first church, the people that were not Christian called the church Christian. God help us get to the place again. Help us get to the place again where our family and our friends who do not know Jesus know we are Christians. God, help us have a reputation where people look at us and look at Jesus and they say things like this, you remind me of Jesus. You're just like him. It should be said after I'm done tonight that every one of us should be called Christians, not by ourselves, but by the outside world. This is the will of God for the church, to be called Christians. But, but how do you get called a Christian? Well, the Bible says that disciples... The disciples were called the Christians. The disciples were called the Christians. You can be seated if you're standing. Lord, help us tonight in Jesus' name. Hopefully I sound okay with my lapel, Brother Isaac. I don't know if you checked it already or not. Okay, good. First, we have to understand Jesus Christ if we're going to understand Christianity. Everything begins there. If Christ-like, Christianity means Christ-like, then how can I understand Christianity? 
how can I understand being Christ-like if I don't first understand Jesus Christ? It is the first most important thing we must do in this, in this investigation tonight. We must look into the life of Jesus Christ and look and ask some questions to see what we should be and how we should be living our life. I have some questions that I ask when I read, and this is how you can study the Word of God and find the mystery. These are some questions I ask when I read the Bible, and maybe you ask them too, and we can help tonight solve this mystery. Some of the questions I ask are this. Why are the disciples seen confused, running around, running away, scared, when Jesus is taken captive? Why are they running scared? They had just spent three years with him. Shouldn't they have stayed by his side? Shouldn't they have known what was going to happen? Shouldn't they have known that in a few days he'll rise up? It'll be fine. The disciples were not okay. Wasn't it obvious to them that Jesus said that he would rise again? It was not obvious to the disciples. Why are the disciples afraid when he's walking on water? Shouldn't they rejoice? Shouldn't it be clear? Shouldn't it be exciting? Why does the Bible say that they were scared during the storm and they thought he was a ghost? Shouldn't they have known he wasn't a ghost? He was a water walker. Why are the disciples who spend so much time with Jesus confused so much about who Jesus is? Sounds like church folks. Well, I, I thought you go to church. Shouldn't you know more about him? Well, I, I'm trying. But he's not like most men. He's hard to read. So this is the reality in the Bible. Why are religious people, religious people, trying to kill their God? They're religious. Shouldn't they see the good things Jesus is doing and say, good job, you're doing good things. Shouldn't the religious people go, you healed someone, that's great. I think it's amazing, that's great. Oh, you healed somebody inside of our temple, that's good. Because we've never seen that in our temple in a long time. And we're religious people and we, we pray to God, but we don't see miracles. Shouldn't the religious people be excited about Jesus? Why are the religious people trying to kill him constantly? These are some questions I ask myself. It's almost as if people are having a hard time in the Bible understanding who Jesus is. Is that not what you get out of it whenever you read the Bible? It's like you see people that, that look at Jesus and they're around him and they ask these crazy questions that you and I go, that's easy. What's wrong with you, Peter? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, religious people? Don't you see it's Jesus? Don't you know it's the Christ? But in their day, in their time, they were around him and it was mysterious to them. Maybe not to you and I, but that's because we've got the full book, right? We've got the full picture. But in their day, in their hour, they were, they were thinking, this is mysterious, this guy, Jesus, isn't making sense all the time. What's happening in the Bible and, and what's up with Jesus not making it more clear? You see, it's true at first. It's true at first that when you're around someone for the first time, you don't understand who they are. And that's why you have to give people time before you judge them. That's why you have to give people time before you judge them. That's why I hope most of you don't just get married to the first person that you meet that smiles at you. I hope you take some time and figure out if they're really legit or not. You have to take time because at first... People can be confusing until you get around them and start to know who they are. Why did Jesus, another question, seem to speak so vague concerning his own identity? Does he not know who he is? Is he confused? Surely not. But couldn't he have made it more clear? He could have come out of the womb and looked at Mary and said, Mom, I'm going to do big things, Mama. <laughs> I'm about to split some, I'm about to go in there and split some, uh, some Red Sea-like things and miracles. I'm going to do some big stuff like you, like you know about in Jehovah did. I'm about to do greater things. I'm about to do some crazy stuff. Mama, mama, it's me. I'm the king. He could have done it. He could have done it. His first words could have been not a cry, not this, this wail. His first words could have been like, I'm telling you right now, I'm setting up a kingdom first day on the earth. It's going to be awesome. Now, change my diaper. He could have done that. He could have easily said it, but no, he still cries and he still doesn't talk. He's just a baby. He could have done it. He could have made it very clear. He could have looked at Mary and just said it all. He could have said, I'm going to confound the religious people. I'm going to be a really good kid, Mom. I'm going to speak beyond my years, Mom. I'm going to be this king, but not like you think. I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to bring a bunch of soldiers. I'm going to be the king of kings. I'm going to set up a spiritual kingdom. He could have laid it all out the first moment, but he didn't. Didn't make it clear. He's the God of clarity. He's not an author of confusion. But he didn't. He didn't tell everything. He could have. He could have said to the masses, hey guys, I'm the king. I'm perfect and I'm worthy to serve. I'm worthy to love. Hey, don't kill me. <laughs> I know you want to. Trust me. 
I'm going to take good care of you guys. He could have done that, but he didn't. He could have said, I'm going to set up this amazing kingdom. You're going to be so happy. He could have made it so clear. He could have said, my rise to the throne will be through this vehicle of persecution and death, even though I will be innocent. Uh, he could have said, I will rise up in three days, uh, and I want you all to gather with me at that grave at 6 a.m., and I'll prove it to you. But he didn't say it, did he? He didn't make it clear. It would have been so much easier if he just would have told everybody a little bit more about who he was, a little more detail. See, he stands before the judges who literally could free him from prison, and he just stares at them while they accuse him. They call him all these things and says, you've been accused of things, and all he, do, all he does is stare at them. Some he doesn't talk to, and some he just says, thou hast said, like he doesn't know what to say, like the God of the universe can't defend himself, like he's stumped for words. That's not my God. My God can say anything he wants to say. He's the best communicator, but yet he chooses not to reveal everything why is that? Why can't, he just, why can't he just tell him his true identity? Why can't he just tell it and lay it all out? Why can't he just share it? But he doesn't ever really lay it out. He never gives his resume. He never really ever just spells it all out. His application for, for being God in flesh, it has, let's be honest, it has a few blanks in it. You're, you're God in flesh, but there's some things I don't understand. It's possible. Is it possible that maybe Jesus didn't know? Was it just coming to him little by little each day? Was, it, was, it, was he just a man one moment and then he would flip into God mode and then back to man mode? Is, is this the reason why it's so confusing? Did he not really know? No, I don't believe that because I, I believe what the Bible says when it says that all the fullness of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in him. I believe that all of God was in Jesus Christ, so I do not believe that he was confused. I do not believe he didn't know the answers. I do not believe he did not know what he was doing. It was very clear that he did, but he never said it. Why? What's up with this? One day... His disciples are telling him, there are some rumors, Jesus, about who people say that you are. There's some rumors. Yeah, you see, some people think you're John the Baptist. You need to be more clear, Jesus, because people don't know who you are. Some people think you're uh, Isaiah. Some people think you're Jeremiah. And some people think you're just one of the prophets. And Jesus could have right there said, well, let me tell you, and let's clear it all up right now. Well, go tell everybody who I am. I'm, I'm Jesus. Tell them I'm, not, none of, I'm none of those. I'm Jesus. He could have done that. But what does he do? The Bible says he looks at his disciples and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and says, thou art the Christ. That's correct. He got it right. But Jesus doesn't say, good job. Now go tell everybody. He says, Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you. <gasps> Whoa, wait a minute. Why did flesh and blood not reveal it? He, it could have. The flesh and the blood of Jesus could have spoken it. But see, here's the deal. Jesus is saying, I'm not revealing this to you with my words. Because this revelation of who I am is not something you can get because I tell it to you. It's something you have to figure out because you want to know it. Because everybody can talk big about who they say they are, but that's not the truth. The truth is not what you call yourself. The truth is what others think you are. In their mind, what they think you are matters more than who you say you are. And this is why Jesus did not use his words to answer the riddle. He used his life. He used his cross. He used his actions. This is also why the Bible never tells us that Jesus says in first person, I love you. Oh, y'all didn't know that wasn't in the Bible, did you? Like if it, we were in church, it would have been real quiet right there. It's always, it's always quiet now because there's only a few people. But if y'all was all in church, it would have been real quiet. Because everybody's like, God is love. That, you're right, God is love. Where's the scripture that says that Jesus looked at his friend and said, hey, hey, Peter, I want you to know I love you, buddy. Where's it at? Show me the scripture. You know why the scripture's not in the Bible where Jesus goes around saying to the leper, hey, I love you, buddy. Oh, hey, blind man, love you, man. Hey, disciples, love you. Because whenever you are love, you don't have to say that you love. Whenever you have to say it, it means that's not who you are. Word is for someone who doesn't see it. 
You only say it when you can't see it, but words are cheap. That's why the Word was the first revelation of who He was, and the body was the second. Because manifestation of word is the fullness of God more than just saying it. That's only part. That's only part of the revelation of the mystery. The full revelation of the mystery is seeing it in action. That's why you can't just have words to your Christianity. You must have manifestation. If it's not manifesting out of you, it's not real to the watchers on the outside. Jesus could have said it, but he didn't reveal it with words. He told them, if you want to get the revelation, my Father will tell you. You've got to go to a spiritual realm to find this out. You've got to go up beyond this world to see this thing. You have to seek it out. You have to investigate it. You have to become a detective. Because it's not easy to see. Instead of clearing it all up, he continues on and says this question, who do you think I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. But still Jesus does not correct, say correct. He doesn't say anything like that. He moves on and lets Peter believe that he's right, but never declares it. You see, the identity of Jesus is not a declaration, it's a revelation. This is why you've been trying to tell your friends about Jesus and that's the problem. All you do is tell them. The church for too long has been talking about Christianity and that's not enough. The church too long has been trying to witness at Walmart without a smile on their face. The church for too long has knocked doors but never prayed for their community. The church for too long has the, has the word but not the revelation. And Christianity is not a word. Christianity is a movement. Christianity is not something we say that we are. It's something the world says we are. Christianity is something revealed, something manifested. And if your church does not have Christians being manifested, then they are not real Christians. It's more than talk. Chalk is cheap. It's about the walk. It's about the way you live. It's about what people think about you and say about you. This is the way you know that you're really a disciple of Jesus. Anybody can say there's something. How does that make you feel? Anybody can tell you there's something. We live in an hour right now where people will sell themselves so good and no one trusts anybody. Because we have learned the art and Western culture how to tell everybody how great we are. In fact, every time you do an Instagram post, it's the same thing. This is how great I am. We live in a culture where we want to tell everybody we're great because we're not. Because no one tells us that we're great. So we tell them we are great. We live in a self-proclaimed generation. I am the one that's great. Look at me, I'm great. Hey, I'm telling you I'm great. You should hang out with me this weekend because I'm great. Why do we have to tell everybody we're great? Why do we have to tell everybody that we love them? Why do we have to tell everybody that we're willing to serve? Why not just serve? Why do we have to say, Pastor, I'm willing to serve? Why not just serve? Because I've had people tell me I'm willing to serve, and then when I ask them to serve, they're not really all in, because it sounds good to say I want to serve. Pastor, I'll serve if you ask me to. Well, you know we're up here working. You know there's trash in the parking lot. You know that you drive by and there's grass that needs to be cut. You see, there's a difference in the people that say that they're going to be it and the people that just go do it. And the real heart of a Christian doesn't just talk it, doesn't just say it. Anybody can scratch the itch of Christianity by saying they'll do it. But when will you show up? When will you put action into it? That's how you know you love God. That's how you know you're legit. That's how the world knows that you really are a real Christian. Talk is cheap. It's not declaration. Revelation. And I want to help you understand tonight the mystery of Christianity. It must be discovered more than listened to. Some of you are listening to people talk about Jesus. You won't talk to Jesus. You're watching videos online all the time trying to let everybody else tell you what it is. But you refuse to fast and pray and get a pastor. And the problem is, is you're talking it, you act like you want it, but it's not revealing. It's not showing up in your heart. It's not real Christianity. Real Christianity gets down to where you live every day when no one's watching. That's what the world's looking for right now. People don't want another word from some fake Christian. They want someone to live it that doesn't have to talk about it all the time. People are tired of hearing us preach to them. We won't just love them and serve them and do what's right with them. They're so tired of the hypocrisy because Christianity's become something we talk about. We put it on the surface, but it's not a revelation that comes out of us. 
It must be discovered. Anyone can say there's something that's very easy. That approach is very weak and suddenly does that produce believers. This is the best truck you could ever buy. Buy it right now. Is that how you work? Is that how cheap you are? Is that how gullible you are? Is it that easy that people say, this is the best truck? Okay, sign me up. You know what you do with that truck? You test drive it. That's what you do, right? You test drive it. Because we all know that you don't invest until you've test driven or tried it out or walked through the house to make sure it's what you want, to make sure that the word lines up with the revelation. You have to make sure it fits. And the only sure way to make sure that we're getting into the right thing is to make sure that we see the revelation and not just hear the word of it. And anybody can say it. Anybody can talk it. It's easy. It costs nothing. But it's weak. It does not last. It's not good for people. It's not real Christianity either. It's fake. Be careful. Because we've hurt too many people with talk. Too many people have been damaged by fake Christianity that called themselves a Christian. So can I, can I give you a tip out there if you've been damaged by Christians? Can I help you right now? Don't let people tell you they're a Christian because that can hurt bad. Don't look at their titles and don't look at how long they've been in church. Don't look at what they say about themselves. Watch their lifestyle because this will protect you from being damaged by so-called Christians. Stop saying that because they say they're Christian that they are Christian. Stop believing this. You have to watch them. You have to watch their movements, their ins and their outs to see if they're truly Christian because talk is cheap. People do not just believe what we say that we are. They believe what we, they see that we are. And Jesus spends more time revealing himself more than he ever did describing himself. He lived his life before the people and he showed them who he was. They say that if you have to tell your wife you're the man of the house, you're not the man of the house. They say if you have to tell everybody you're the boss, you're not the boss. They say if you walk in the room and tell everybody how strong you are, you probably doubt that you're really strong. Because whatever you have to say and declare is probably an insecurity that you know you're not. This is why the Pharisees were, were all clean on the outside. Because they talked it up, but it wasn't on the inside. We have to be so careful to make sure we're authentic Christians and we are called Christians by the outside, not by the inside. We hype ourselves up all the time going, yeah, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. We're all Christians and we all agree we're Christians. But you know what? We're partial to each other. We're partial. The truth is, if they don't think you're Christian, out there, if they're not calling you Christian, Something's wrong. And for too long, there have been churches that they all, everyone in the building's holy, and everybody in the, in the building believed they were all like Jesus, but nobody in, the, in town did. Nobody in town thought they were. Why are we saying we're great and no one else is? That's not the way it was with Jesus Christ. He had a following of people who believed him. He had a following of people who believed him and he never even had to say, I love you to get a crowd because he manifested love. This is the truest form of real, authentic Christianity and it takes the mystery out of it. Just be it and stop talking so big. Just live it and stop preaching so big. Let your life be your preaching and not your mouth. You've run enough Christmas dinners and Thanksgiving dinners with your family trying to tell them they're all going to hell and they don't care anything about your God. They're so tired of hearing you say it. They want to see you live it. In our text, years have passed since the disciples had been with Jesus and the church is spreading like wildfire on a dry field. And we learn that the term Christianity was not self-proclaimed by the church. They didn't walk out the door going, now you better call me a Christian because I am just like Jesus. That's not the way Christianity began. Christianity did not begin with self-proclamation. It was, it was the view of those in Antioch. And I notice in my text tonight that the Bible says that Antioch was far from Jerusalem. And if Jerusalem is a symbol of religion, the further you get from religion, the closer you get to Christianity. 
I just think it's interesting that they did not call them first Christian in Jerusalem. Oh, think about that one. Think about the epicenter of God, the epicenter of the Jews. They did not first call them Christian in Jerusalem because where there's religion, there is no Christianity. They had to get all the way out to the edge of Antioch before somebody saw the Christ. And you cannot mix Christianity with religion because when you do, religious people will never find Christianity. Jerusalem will never see your Christianity because religious people can't stand the liberty and the love and the freedom of Christ. It convicts them because they're full of dead men's bones. The disciples were first called Christian. The disciples, the disciples were first called Christian. Not just people that, that went to church, the disciples. Not the church attenders, the disciples. Not the gatherers on Sunday, the disciples were called Christians. Not people who had the cross hanging from their neck or the cross hanging from their car mirror. Not the people that had the WWJD bracelets from 1995. Not people that had the t-shirt on, DC talk. No, no, the, the, the first original Christians were disciples. And they still are today. You, you can't be a Christian if you're not going to be a disciple. In order for them to be called Christian or, or Christ-like, that's what that word means, someone would have had to know what Christ was like. Let us never forget, before most people hear about the Christian, they will hear about the Christ. You have to be very careful comparing yourself to Jesus when people can buy a Bible and find out what it says about him. We talk like we're Christian as if people don't know Christ. You're setting yourself up for failure when you compare yourself to perfection and you have not become a disciple. How many people have been hurt by Christians that were no longer or not disciples? Once again, can I tell you that you might meet someone who, who calls up a Christian, but they don't live like a disciple? And that is not a Christian. You should not call them a Christian. You should not be confused about their Christianity because if they're not a disciple, they're not a Christian. You have to understand that. It's important. We, should, we shouldn't have to call ourselves a Christian. So be careful saying it. Be careful saying, I am like Jesus to people who can read the Bible. <laughs> I'm just like Jesus. Oh, be careful when you have a bad day and you come into work and you're angry. Be careful letting everybody know how holy you are because they will remind you when you have a bad day. Be careful saying, claiming your perfection to your friends at, at, at your holiday meals. Be careful telling mom and dad who are out of church, I'm a Christian. Because they'll remind you when you make a mistake. Maybe stop calling yourself a Christian and start calling yourself a disciple. Because a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. A disciple is someone who tries to be like Jesus but fails because none of us could ever be as perfect as Jesus. We should stop calling ourselves Christians and start calling ourselves disciples because a disciple is someone who confesses unless I'm with Jesus, I cannot be a Christian. It should be a label put upon us by those who know us best, not by ourselves. A real Christian should be caught in the act of Christianity. Not something we say, but something you catch us doing. And you should catch every Christian being a disciple, following Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, learning lessons. I know our world has heard about Jesus, but have they heard about Christians? They know any Christians? Everybody knows Jesus in the world, right? We're a Christian nation. No, we're a Christ nation. Where are the Christians? We're a nation supposedly who believes in Jesus, but where are the Christians? In the Christian nation. See, it's not the revelation of Jesus. He's done a good job. It's the revelation of the church. Where are the church folks that live like Jesus? 
The world is not asking for more Jesus. They're asking for the people who are proving he exists. Where are the Christ-like people? Where are the real Christians? I'm tired of hearing everybody say they're Christian. Where are the real Christians? Where are the followers of the same Jesus I read in my Bible? Where are those people at? This is what we can do tonight to help the mystery of Christianity in 2020. We have to face this, this, this sad fact. Most Christians have to self-proclaim that they are. And that's sad. When's the last time somebody called you one? And called me one? This should be the litmus test for the church. That we stop telling them how great we are. And they start telling us how great we are. It should be the litmus test, the challenge for all of us as church folks should be to stop telling them how great we are and do something worthy of them telling us how great we are. This is what the church should be. I want to comfort you and tell you that there are real Christians who you don't have to worry about in 2020. I apologize, and I've been doing it for several weeks now. I am sorry that someone called themselves a Christian and treated you like a devil. It's a real thing, and it happens all the time. But please, can I help you tonight understand there are people who call themselves a Christian that are not disciples. And I want to protect you tonight and tell you that we're sorry that it happened to you. It's not right. But the public, listen, the public has the copyright to the word Christian. The public owns that word, not the church. Because if they can't see the Christ in us, we have failed. Why are we a light when people are not seeing it? How are we salt and nobody's thirsty? The definition of the church is not just what God says about us. It's about what hungry people say about us. And if hungry people are not declaring this about us, then we have to check our Christianity card again. Maybe get it renewed this year. Maybe our license is expired. The public has a copyright for that. And it's time the public gets to vote again because we have taken that away from them. You're not going to tell me if I'm a Christian, I am a Christian. I don't care if you like me or not. Oh, you don't care what they think? You don't care what they say? You don't care if people think that you're like Jesus or not? How, how can we be light and draw men? If we're nothing like the light, how can we be in, in outreach and evangelism if we're nothing like the Christ? It, it's a requirement to be like Jesus. We have to. We must. We must. It's time that our friends get to label us again as Christians. They need to know it about us for themselves, not because we told them. Flesh and blood cannot reveal that. Only, only God can reveal that. I know who I am, and that's really good. I'm glad that I know who I am. You know who you are. That's good. We sing songs. I know who I am. I know who I am. And the world's like, who are you? I'm sorry. Oh, y'all know who you are? That's good. I'm glad you know who you are. That doesn't help me. I'm a broken person. I need help in my life. You know who you are? That does not help me. I want to know who you are. Why can't I see the light? Why can't I see the healing in you? Where, where are the people at that I want to know who you are too? So I'm glad that you know who you are. I'm a child of the king. I'm a chosen vessel. I'm a royal priesthood. We sing it. We shout about it all day long. But where are the people outside that are looking at us saying, you're a Christian? I've been looking for Jesus. And there he is in you. This is what we need to have as our mission. And I want to say right now to Texas and to Austin, Texas, here we are. Come and see us. There are real Christians at this church. There are some that are still working on it, but there are real Christians in this church. Because when you preach like this and talk like this and pray like this, you're going to have real Christians in your church. When you don't play games and you really dig in to what a Christian is and you preach it and you pray about it and you change some things, you're going to get real Christians in a church. But as long as the pastor keeps patting everybody on the back saying, go get your money and go get your blessings, you'll never build real Christians in your church. You can come to this church and find people that are serious about Jesus. And I want to say to Texas and to Austin, here we are. We're about to open the doors again. Come find out for yourself.
Come shake some hands. Come see some people. Yeah, come fist bump. That's better. <laughs> I said shake some hands. People in the church are like. I'm not going to tell you when you get here that I'm holy. I'm not going to tell you when you get here that I'm perfect. I'm not going to tell you when you come in this church that I'm better than you. No, that's not, that's not what's going to happen in this church. You're not going to come in this church and everybody walk around like, hey, I'm holy, I'm a Christian, uh, you're not, but I am. Notice what, notice what the religious people did. They walked around and said, I'm so glad I'm not like you. I'm so glad that I know who I am and I know how bad you are. And Jesus said they were vipers. So when you come to this church, you're not going to walk in and go, wow, I wonder, I wonder what they are. I don't know. I hope you know. I hope you can sense it and feel it. I hope you can look at the Bible and see Jesus and see our church and go, that's, that's, the, that's the Christians I'm looking for. Those are the people I'm looking for. That's the church that I've been wondering about and reading about. I finally found one that's legit and real. I want you to know there's room for you and we have a place for you right here at Austin First Church. So I say tonight, enough fake Christianity, enough self-proclamation, enough super spirituality. We either are Christ-like or we're not. That's it. There's no fine line. You're either like him or you're not. My final remarks tonight. I've come to challenge you again to go after this, this mystery of Jesus Christ and not give up. I've come to ask you to try again if you tried it once somewhere that didn't have real Christians and you don't know if you can try again. I'm encouraging you to try again because there are lots of churches out there and lots of Christians that are real. And I want you to try again. Not with a church that pressures you into believing that they are great before you even meet them. Because there's so many churches out there that I watch their, their video and I look at their website and the first thing I'm thinking is they're probably like just like Jesus. But I wish that were the case, don't you? I wish that we were as good as our website said we were. I wish we were as cool as our stage designs. I wish we were really as great as that, our pictures and videos. But the truth is, people want to see it revealed in human beings. So you won't feel that pressure. You won't feel that pressure here. But I think with the people who already love each other, you can find that at Austin First Church and the people that can disagree and stay together probably the greatest way to find a Christian church is to find a church that doesn't agree on everything but yet they still love each other. Because you know we have a bad habit in church hopping to change churches where you disagree. That's not Christian. Christianity is, is when you stay because you feel like you belong and you feel like your voice matters. Even though you disagree with people you realize you're a valuable part of the team and that we need your unique voice. That is what the love of God will do in a church. Real Christians can disagree and still get along. And that's what we should find in every church. If Christianity is a mystery, then who are the detectives? Who are the detectives? If, if the Bible uses the word Christianity multiple times, I mean mystery multiple times, then if it's a mystery, then where are the detectives at to figure out the mystery? I, I submit to you today that the disciples are the detectives. I think I can prove it to you. Detectives follow the case and search the facts. Detectives cannot be detached and get the data at the same time. Detectives must study and follow the mystery very closely in order to solve the case. Sounds just like the description of a disciple. It didn't say that Christians were called disciples. It didn't say Christians were called disciples. It said disciples were called Christians. Discipleship is what we do, and as a result, uh, Christianity, being a Christian, is what we're called. If there's no discipleship, there's no eventual Christianity. So what comes first, being a Christian or being around Christ? Well, I decided today, Pastor, I'm a Christian. I came to the front, and I told everyone in front of everybody, I'm a Christian from now on. Oh, is that how it works? Can you just be a Christian because you decided to be one? Can you just understand what it's like to be around Jesus having never been around him? Is it just automatic? Can you just fall in love with someone you have no idea who they are? Because all over the world and mega meetings, people tell people, come to the front right now. You don't know Jesus, but you're going to fall in love with him in about three seconds. You know nothing about him, but you're going to fall in love with him. It's the most absurd thought I've ever had. 
anyone's ever had in their life. No one loves someone they have not spent time with. No one. And the problem that we have is that we have everything reversed here. Because in order to be a real Christian, you have to be around the Christ. First, you must follow him in order to fall in love with him. And tonight, my final remarks encourage you to be a follower. Because discipleship is the detective work you need to, uns to solve the mystery of Christianity. The first commandment from Jehovah in the Old Testament was to love God. Uh, excuse me, can you, can, you, can you kiss me first or hold my hand? Can I get to know your last name? You know, I mean, we, we ain't even, you're going to be like, love me. Okay, hold on, can we go on a couple dates? I mean, I mean, like, Old Testament kicks off, Moses comes down and says, love God. They're like, Who, who's God? What? Well, we love you, God. You're awesome. Okay, don't kill him. Is that how it works? Is that how relationships work? You walk up to someone and say, love me right now. I'm great. I don't, I, don't, I don't know you. No, love me now. I'm great. Is this how we have relationship? But yet, in the Old Testament, that's how they had relationship. The first law was love God. Okay, I'll love you, God. Where are you at, God? Oh, you're way out there? Oh, I love you, God. You're beautiful. Way out there. This was the Old Testament. This was unfulfilled plan. This was just partial. This was not the fulfillment of the plan. This was the first part of it. Because loving God is the key. But how do you get the key? What do you do? When Jesus arrived on the scene being God in flesh, his first commandment was what? Well, of course, it was, it was love me right now. Love me, die for me right now, right? Is that what the Bible says? Let's go back and read the Bible. Oh, Jesus comes on the scene. He, oh, oh, he picks the disciples. Oh, wait, he, he tells the disciples to die on a cross right now. Oh, wait, he tells them right here to, to be perfect and be holy. That's the first thing, right? Because, of course, he would, he would follow the footsteps of the Old Testament. Oh, no, actually, I read my Bible, and I find out the first commandment that Jesus gave was follow me. That sounds, that sounds kind of like an investigation, doesn't it? What are we going to do? Just follow me. Okay, but why? Just follow me. All right, I'm just going to follow you. What do you do when you're following somebody? You're just watching. You're observing. You're taking notes. You're trying to put the puzzle together. The first commandment of Jesus Christ is the first commandment for every person who wants to be a Christian. And that is first you have to follow him. The first commandment will never be to love God. It'll never be to love Jesus and love God. It'll never be to be perfect. The first commandment for us in the New Testament under grace will not be to just get it all right because it's impossible to love God not knowing God. While it is the commandment and the greatest, you can't just do it because he told us to. This is why Jesus did not require it first. Because he knew that the longer you spend with me, the more you're going to love me. <laughs> Jesus knew the longer you hang out with this guy right here, the more you're going to want to be around me. The more you're around me, the more you're going to want to be like me. The longer you hang out with me, the more you're going to want to be holy like me and perfect like me. You see, you got to get around Jesus uh, to love Jesus. Uh, it all begins at following him. And I encourage you right now, you can sign up today to be a disciple of Jesus. Disciple is not perfection. Disciple does not mean you've got it all together. Disciple is not someone who loves God above all else. A disciple is a follower, a learner, a watcher. This is why the world needs more disciples than Christians right now. Because you'll never get the Christian if you don't get the disciple. Discipling is the first requirement for every person wanting to undo and solve the mystery of Jesus Christ. You've got to get yourself in the Word of God, in the presence of God, in a church like this church. You have got to get into the journey to fall in love with the God. You have got to put it first. The cross does not come first that you die on. It comes last. That's why the last thing that Jesus told Peter to do was to take a cross up and die on it, literally. It's not the first thing you get when you get in church. It's the last thing you get. When he gets done with you, you will die on your own cross. You would give your life for him. It's not the first thing you do. It's the last thing you do. So this word today is to help you. You can't love who you don't know. 
You may not be ready to love like to love Jesus. You may not be ready to live like Jesus, but I promise you, if a hopeless, cussing fisherman like Peter can do it, you can too. Because anybody can be a follower. Anybody can pick up their Bible and start right now. Anybody can go to church and sit at his feet. Anybody can afford that. Anyone can do that. You don't, have to have a, you don't have to have a great degree or a GED. You don't have to have money or no money. You don't have to be a certain race to do that. That's free for all men. Follow me. It's the first step, most important step, to solving the mystery of Jesus for yourself. Solve the mystery. Become a disciple right now. Discover the Savior. Because surely someone has talked about as Jesus Christ is worthy of an investigation. And my challenge to all of us tonight is don't stop investigating Jesus Christ. Because the more you're with him, the more you'll love him, the more you'll want to worship him, the more you'll give up for him. It's a progress that begins with following. You can't figure out something you won't follow. You can't get answers for someone you won't spend time with. And God knows you sure can't love unless you're connected every day. This is the key to solving the mystery of Christianity. Enough listening to what people say about him. Enough listening to what people think he, who people think he is. It's time for you. It's time for you right now to start your journey. It's time for you right now to say enough excuses. It's time for you right now to put away all the reasons why you don't think you should and say, unless I dig it out for myself, I may never know the truth about Jesus Christ. We need real Christians, but really we need real disciples. Discipleship is the road to Christianity every single day. Lord, I pray right now for every person who battles confusion and deals with this this view of church and Christianity that has been so torn because of all the people who have the crosses hanging off their necks and all the ideas about how they're Christian. They wonder, is God real? Is this for real? I've come to help someone tonight and tell them, yes, it's real. But yes, also, there are people who say they're Christian that are not disciples. And I pray tonight we'll know the difference. And I pray tonight that we will be disciples. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ uh, that this would help spur somebody and help kick somebody into gear that says, you know what, uh, I've made a lot of excuses in my life. Uh, I thought I'd given up. Uh, but really, how can I learn about Jesus uh, unless I sit at his feet, uh, unless I follow in his pathway? Right now, you don't have to love him to begin your journey. You don't have to have a cross to begin your journey. You just have to follow him. The first step to getting to that place of true freedom and liberty in Jesus is just spending time in his presence, spending time in prayer, spending time in his word, studying who he is. Somebody take on the badge of detective. Somebody right now hearing me, someone take the challenge of investigation. It's something you can figure out, I promise you. There's so many of us who have figured it out. So many of us have had so many roadblocks and so many things we didn't know, but we stayed with him. We kept following him. And today we can say assuredly he is worthy. He is worthy to serve. He is worthy to give our lives for. He is worthy of all the hype that people say. But you have to seek him with your whole heart. You have to personally make it your agenda to know him. And I promise you today he will not be some question mark out there in the far distance, but he will be someone very close to you and near that you can lay your head down on his chest. Uh, this is what you're missing right now, friends. Uh, here's what you're missing. You're letting everybody tell you about him and you don't trust their words. Uh, stop listening to the cheap words of people. Talk about Jesus uh, and get yourself on that pathway. Get close to him. Put your, your feet right on his heels. Uh, go where he goes. Uh, watch him raise the dead. Uh, watch him heal the blinded eyes. Uh, watch him listen to him speak. Uh, watch how he loves, watch how he treats people. You will be convinced like so many before you. Jesus is worthy to be served. Thank you, God, for your word tonight, and thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the chance to be at your table, even though we don't 
We don't deserve to be there. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to walk with you, and we're sinners. Thank you, God, for the chance to fall in love with you. For who we do not know, we cannot, we cannot love. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you, not what people said about you. I want to know you. I don't want to know the thing people said you were or you weren't. I don't want to be deceived by somebody's bad perception. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you. And the only way to do that is through prayer. The only way to do that is to get into the church, into the real church, into the first church. only way to get to know Jesus is to, to get in that pathway, that vehicle that gets you close to him. And one day, I promise you, it'll be a simple thing to sacrifice. It'll be an easy thing to take the road of holiness and righteousness that you think is so far from you. It is not that hard. Not when you see who Jesus is. Not when you find out how great he is. Not when you find out that he is amazing and powerful and, and, and we can serve him and love him. There's not difficult anymore. It's not hard anymore. It's not. Oh, God, help people right now listening and hearing me tonight. I want people that, that don't understand you, Lord. I want them to understand the church, understand why they've been burned and why they have a bitter taste in their mouth. I want them to understand tonight, God. There's so many people confused, so many people that don't understand. Why are there so many Christians who don't serve the Lord and act like Jesus? I know, I know it's painful, it's difficult, but don't let that be the reason why you don't get in church and you don't serve him and seek him. Please don't let people, don't let people hinder you from getting your life right with him. He is worthy of it tonight. He's worthy of it tonight in Jesus' name. He's worthy of it tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray the blessings of God on each of you tonight, and I thank you for coming to this online service. I thank you for sitting there and hearing me out tonight. Let me share on my heart what the Lord has given me to help you with the mystery. We have so much more to unveil, trying to answer questions about, about why these things are not clear. And I hope tonight I've made it clear. Unless you seek him with your whole heart, he, he will never be understood. Never. Please stop looking through other people's lenses of who he is. There's no way to find out. There's no way to know. You have to have personal devotion. You have to break out those highlighters like some of y'all have been doing. You've got to break out uh, all the things you've been trying to do. You've got to take an investigation. You've got to take a detective work, and you've got to dig in. That's the only way to prove that you care is to become a disciple. You can't convince anybody that you really want to know if you're not going to become a disciple. We love you all, Austin First Church, and those who have joined us tonight on live stream. We thank you so much for joining us and we cannot wait to be joined together again on site in our church building. And we hope that you'll continue to fight the good faith, good fight of faith. We hope that you'll be blessed and stay safe. I want to encourage you all just because they are letting up on measures doesn't mean that there will not be another outbreak. So we need to watch it closely for a couple weeks and be safe because this is unpredictable. So I just encourage you to play it safe, use sanitizer, do the best you can. And thank you so much for being faithful. You have done so great for this pandemic. And uh, it's almost over. In Jesus' name, we're hoping and believing. Have a great evening tonight. God bless you. Uh, feel free to continue to stay in touch with us. We will give you more updates for the weekend, all right? We love you all from Pastor and my wife and our family in this church. Thank you again for joining us. We pray blessings on you. And we hope to see you all one day in person if you live around here. In Jesus' name, be, you're dismissed. In Jesus' name.